Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Look at the power of the human spirit, and more than just the spirit, the power of the mind. Some people say that the brain is a computer, but he said, no, beyond that, there is something, there is deity within you. There is that, you know, that spark, that divine thing, and it stems from creation, that, that thing that is soul. So the idea of spirituality, the idea of a disembodied spirit, the idea of something going on outside of this, it's nice to think about it, but it doesn't have to be for us to, to give a shit about how miraculous the world around us is and what's going on right now. You can't believe anything until you have direct perception of it. And so I wanted to go deeper and deeper into that. My God in my life, God is love, pure love. Love is an incredible power. I feel like when you get to the metaphorical gates of Peter, really all they're gonna ask you is where you kind. And maybe the whole point of this little tiny blink of an eye that we're here is just to decrease the suffering through kindness and other thoughtful acts. We are one species and we are endangered. And it's what this one, this three and a half pound gland that we have, the one cure lies within the same thing that is causing a lot of the pain. I believe that everything that we do, everything that we create is nature expressing itself the same way that when a flower grows out of the ground or a tree grows out of the ground, it's nature expressing itself. You always have to realize that you're constantly in the state of becoming, you know, and uh, as long as you can stay in that realm, you'll sort of be all right. Always go a little further into the water than you feel you're capable of being in. Go a little bit out of your depth, and when you don't feel that your feet are quite touching the bottom, you're just about in the right place to do something exciting. The whole thing is to change, try and make everything better and better. And that's what the physical world is about, is change. Don't rush down the hill, walk down. You know, you have a good time. Life's pretty amazing, especially after rehab and heart surgery. It's really amazing. I have to get into meditation through uh, music, really, Indian music. And uh, I went to India to learn a bit of Indian music and Inside, I always had uh, a desire to know about yogis, and I don't can't explain that one. It's just something that's been in me from some time in the past, and I wanted to know about that. So I had the opportunity to uh, find out about it in India, and consequently, that led into meditation because really the only reason to be living is to uh, have complete full knowledge, full bliss consciousness. 
Everything else is just mundane and secondary. I wanted to know some method of enlarging my own consciousness. And that's meditation. It's been there millions, millions of years, and uh, not can the door be opened. The thing that really got me interested was after being brought up as uh, a Catholic until I was about 13, I couldn't take it any longer because it was just full of hypocrisy. The teachings of an Indian uh, called Vivekananda, which really impressed me, he said, if there's a God, we must see him. If there's a soul, we must perceive it. Otherwise, it's better not to believe. It's better to be an outspoken atheist than a hypocrite. And this, for me, going to India and hearing somebody saying, you know, no, you can't believe anything until you have direct perception of it. And I thought, wow, you know, fantastic. At last, you know, find somebody who who um, makes some sense. And so I wanted to go deeper and deeper into that. The whole basis of religion is to have the experience, have that perception. So there's these methods for God perception, self-realization, which is yoga and meditation and the process you have to get from a spiritual master, somebody who's an authority on this sort of thing. And the technique we did with uh, Maharishi, Mahesh Yogi, was uh, a form of violent meditation, which, you know, you can transcend. The, the, the purpose is to transcend from this relative state of consciousness to an absolute state of consciousness. People think, this is me, you know, and this isn't me, this is just a bag of bones. Basically, everybody is a spirit, which is really what Christ was here to tell everybody about. The kingdom of heaven that lies within, which is the state of being, pure consciousness. So, through many years of uh, pollution of consciousness through material energy and this association, then uh, we've all ended up in a fallen state. But really, everybody is basically a potentially divine. So, yoga, all these methods are really. Uh, ancient methods just to stir the pollution of your system and consciousness and to cleanse the system. The whole thing, the purity that they talk about in religion is really a, a mental, physical and spiritual purity which is uh, obtained through discipline and through practice. So the meditation we did with uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi was uh, to sit silently and to transcend through the sense of sound like you can transcend with hearing or with touch or taste or vision. Like I think some Buddhists meditate by concentrating on an object, like either a garden, Japanese gardens, on candles looking at, into the flame, and they transcend that way. But this method was to transcend through sound. So you given uh, a mantra, the mantra brings all to your body to rest, it calms everything down and it, it brings sort of harmony and uh, union just to all your senses. And this way, your thoughts become fine and fine and fine until you can arrive at a point which is transcendental, which means beyond, it's beyond the senses, beyond intellect. My fifth birthday actually, on my birthday, was the day that men first walked on the moon. 
that sort of became part of normal life. Like, wow, this is the world. This is life. This is living. Stuff like that happens. And then a guy goes to the moon and then cool stuff. That's where we somehow managed to focus an incredible amount of resources and energy on useless stuff that doesn't mean anything like following celebrities that are celebrities for the sake of being celebrities and buying magazines that they're in and spending hours of the day thinking about who they are and what they're doing and what clothes they're wearing and what songs they're listening to and who gives a f And by the same token, um, we're still sort of participating in a system that ecologically is slowly but surely destroying everything and everyone can say that everyone kind of knows that even the naysayers sort of have to believe it at this point but nothing's really changing um and that's all you know that's just kind of a, a strange thing to me i see sort of the simple truth in a baby in simple things because they're taking them simply and they're finding like a universe in something that's very small that's very simple that we all take for granted um, that's much more important than what some idiot is wearing on a red carpet. To me, it's the, it's the kind of uh, the simplicity of like that banana over there, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. And that, that sounds like a stupid thing to say, but it's true. It's pretty amazing the, 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 how it got here. And, you know, what always occurs to me is children, having children, watching them grow up, um, seeing them as babies, taking this almost kind of smug uh, sort of superior attitude that the adults take around children as though they're smarter while you know observing at the same time all of the areas where children are actually much smarter than adults and the big smart adults not really seeing it and it's that that sort of simplicity it's that banana that's in front of you it's that they're living in the moment and seeing everything sort of that is right there they're not complicating anything they're not preoccupied with things that are completely unnecessary therefore they're kind of there and open to see sort of the miracles of life you and me and this nice gentleman holding the camera when we die there's nothing left no memories we don't exist anymore it's lights out it doesn't make where we are and what we're seeing and what our experience is less important or less amazing it's still just as incredible and just as miraculous so the idea of spirituality the idea of a disembodied spirit the idea of something going on outside of this um it's nice to think about it it's great if it's there but but it doesn't have to be for us to, to give a shit about how miraculous the world around us is and what's going on right now the hardest of the hard the gangsters of la i'll be riding down the sunset boulevard and I'll hear under the bridge coming out of a lowrider. And it is the toughest, scariest, most, you know, loked out looking dudes just melting with under the bridge. Mm. I'm like, okay. That was that was a day well spent in you know, writing that song. A song on a new record called Under the Bridge, which is a salad, a ballad, if you will. And, uh, and that song came about because um, during the course of my life, uh, I was what you might call a hardcore junkie for many years. And uh, during that point in my life, it was a very sad time, and, and uh, everything that was beautiful and precious and sacred to me sort of took a back seat um, as, as my need for this chemical dependency just got more and more disgusting and insane. And uh, unfortunately, I've been clean for three years now, and my life took some massive changes, and, uh, and everything that was sacred and beautiful that I had lost did now come back to me 
more than I could have ever hoped for. But during that time, I reached some, some ultimately low depths of incomprehensible demoralization, um, you know, which are, are very much in my memory. And, um, and, and part of that incomprehensible demoralization is loneliness. And, um, and that's, that's something that I think every drug addict can relate to, is there's this incredible deep sense of loneliness, of emptiness that you're trying to fill up with whatever it is you find. And in my case, it was drugs. So sometimes I get these bursts of loneliness that, that um, kind of remind me of, of that point in my life. And uh, one day I was driving back from the rehearsal for this last record that we were writing, and, and I got one of those bursts of loneliness, and, and I didn't really feel like there was a single soul in the universe that I could connect with. You know, on, on a gut level, on a heart level, on a spiritual level, on a level of love, I just felt like I was all by myself. So I started singing to myself um, on the freeway, on the Hollywood freeway, coming back from rehearsal. And without, without thinking about anything, um, an entire song came into my head. And when I got home, I wrote it down. And, uh, and the crux of the song is, is based on loneliness. And, and there's this one little lyrical phrase that comes in at the very end of the song, which says, under the bridge downtown is where I drew some blood. Under the bridge downtown, forgot about my love. Under the bridge downtown, I could not get enough. Under the bridge downtown, I gave my life away. And what that was referring to was a point in time about five years ago when uh, when I had nothing in my life. I had no, no friends or, uh, or places to live or automobiles or relationships with my family. And all, all I had was this, uh, this connection of mine named Mario, who was a Mexican mafia ex-convict. And he and I would stroll the streets of downtown um, looking for our next score. And on, on one particular afternoon, it was very hot in the summer, and I'd been up for days, and he and I found what we were looking for. And we went to this bridge that was downtown in the middle of Los Angeles in this ghetto, and it was a, a freeway bridge. And um, there was a little passageway that you had to go to to get under the bridge, and, and only certain members of this Mexican gang, which were all ex-convicts, were allowed to go in there. And the reason that they let me in is because this guy Mario said that I was going out with his sister, which was a lie, just so we could go in there and, um, and do what it is we wanted to do, which was to use these particular drugs we just got. And, uh, and that always sticks in my brain as, um, you know, a low point in my life, basically. You know, about as low as, as I could get. And uh, the chorus of the song is, I don't ever want to... I don't ever want to feel like I did that day. Take me to the place I love. Take me all the way. The place I love is where I am now. Um, making music with, with my band, and, which is, to me, you know, the most sacred thing that I have going is, uh, is creating sound with, with my best friends. I think the force that created us is uh, expressing itself through our existence. I don't believe that a musical idea starts in your brain. I believe it starts at a place before that that we don't have any direct contact with. And I believe that everything that we do, everything that we create, is nature expressing itself the same way that when a flower grows out of the ground or a tree grows out of the ground, it's nature expressing itself. And you might say that the tree is expressing itself by the way its branches move out, but it's the force that drives nature. The tree is the visible thing that appears to our five, to our senses, but I don't at all believe it's the source of why everything is perpetuated all the time, you know. And music is a, it's an ineffable thing that I don't think words can really do any good to give us any true understanding of. Um, 
we are able to make contact with that creative force of the universe or the source or God or whatever you want to call it. Um, we're able to sort of uh, connect with the intelligence of this by uh, learning uh, a musical language, learning a musical instrument, learning how to identify a sound and, and a feeling and to be able to learn how to gradually express that feeling through an instrument. The idea of somebody considering themselves responsible for a piece of music is ridiculous. We're only acting into the laws of nature that have given us the possibilities that we're exploring with our the intelligence that we've been given. You know, uh, some, something like the the frequency spectrum from low to high, It's that's here whether we're here or not, it exists as, as part of the structure of physical reality uh, and our brains are learning to interact with it through learning an instrument, you know, um, or through using our voice in a certain way. Um, but the pol possibilities are presented in this kind of invisible, silent way, they're just there, you know. Uh, the laws of acoustics are what they are, the, the frequency spectrum is what it is, the 12 note to the octave scale was just something waiting to be discovered, but which was already a mathematical possibility. It's that way with any piece of music. I think it's been the big lie that's been, uh, that's been perpetuated ever since the star-making machine of Hollywood started that the thing responsible for a great actor or a great musician, it's just been continued by the music business, is they get this idea into the public's head that it's the, the physical image of the person and the name of the person that is responsible for the creation of what they do. That's not what creates it. The, what creates it is the imagination and the thing that makes it possible for one person to be in the right place at the right time in their life to create the things that they create it has to do with a really complex structure of the mind and the soul and the nervous system. All these unknown things that are taking place in the subconscious, which, which can be just as much structured by terrible things as it can by good, you know. A, a person could be nothing but abused and put down their whole life, and for whatever reason, their will to live, their love for music, their, their feeling for music, and all the fucked up things that have happened to them all combined to, to make perfection, you know? They, I mean, just for example, somebody like Jimi Hendrix having a really difficult life growing up, nevertheless, that was exactly what made him the person who was capable of doing the beautiful, perf you know, perfect music that he did, or, or some kind of disadvantage like Beethoven being deaf, you know, things, things that appear to be disadvantages somehow in the complex network of the universe's intelligence end up working towards making this perfection. I, I really don't believe that somebody would would do it with some kind of a perfect life. And this is just all stuff, it can't be explained. Nobody nobody understands why it is that results in it, but it's not because Jimi Hendrix looked the way he looked. It's not because Jimi Hendrix danced the way he danced or because his name was Jimi Hendrix, you know? It's like these things are just meaningless, yet the way that the business has used these media tools has perpetuated this idea that What's important is that he's the greatest guitarist ever, and he's Jimi Hendrix, and there's his picture, that's him. And it's like, the only real picture of him is his music, you know? The only thing that, that we should be like putting up on a pedestal is the works of somebody's imagination, and the imagination itself should be catered to by the people who, uh, whose responsibility it is to take somebody's music from them to an audience, you know? It's the real star of the whole thing. I don't believe that the human being is the star, and I don't believe their name is the star. I, I think it's their imagination that's the star, and just because it's something you can't 
package just because it's something you can't take a picture of, just because it's something you can't measure by it's number one or it's sold this amount or this many people love it or this many people come to see it. There's no way to quantify the imagination and there's no way to, to sell it directly. I'm going to ask you a very simple question, Ringo. What is God? Uh, God to me, my God in my life, God is love, pure love. Love is an incredible power. Um, you know, if you give out love, the reaction to it is so great, even to like crazy violent people. If you give out love, they stop for a minute because everybody notices love when it's coming your way. You know, and you feel incredible when you give love back. I feel that, uh, you know, as you go through life, you, uh, you know, you make certain moves and it's, it's very hard, these moves, and you don't feel good about it. But if you're doing something with love, all of this behind you, all over the world, will support you. So that's how it is. That's how the world works. It's all the one God. The books I've read, it all says good and love. Vietnamese uh, monk, whose name I can never pronounce, but he's saying that, you know, just in your daily life to be doing things, and he says, you know, like when you get to the traffic, like it's no good getting crazy. Just love the red light. And then when it changes, drive on. And he says, and when you're angry, it's no good being angry at yourself because then you're twice as angry. <laughs> and I, you know, I like to keep that in my life also. It's convoluted because there are a lot of religions that believe that their God is greater. Or oh, a lot of people. Yes, but that's people. This is not God. This is the you know, what the religion says and the people who, you know, are in that religion. You know, I am not religious. I'm trying my best on a daily basis to have a spiritual life. But I think, you know, everybody wants their religion to be, you know, universe-wide. And they're not. Like all the, the natives of long ago, most of them we wiped out in the name of religion, uh, you know, let live. You know, the American Indians couldn't understand the concept of buying land. <laughs> what do you mean you want the land? It's for all of us, you know? And the world is for all of us. We are one. Now, I feel I had spiritual moments as a young kid. And, you know, I feel I had spiritual moments as a teenager, just second. There's things I remember of this emotion. And, you know, as you know, we went to India and Maharishi and we tried that and we looked at that, uh, you know, and since then, you know, we're, we're just like looking and searching and, and hoping and crying and laughing. Uh, you know, I heard one guy say, uh, Carl Jung, he was so great. He was asked, uh, do you still believe in God? And he said, no. He says, I know. I don't need to believe. I know. He's the only one I ever knew who said, I know. <laughs> How great is that? You know, people are frightened of the word God. You know what I mean? They don't, oh, God. I mean, well, you can't like just say God. Well, you can. You know, someone asked me once, well, what is your concept? And I went to go off into these 60s madness of energy and things like that. And I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. God is love. Keep it simple. What do you think happens when you die? 
Personally, I believe I go somewhere. So you believe that your uh, spirit I, is separate from your body? I do. Do you believe And the you... spirit does not cause the madness, you know, and it's not the power-hungry situation that a lot of humans grow into. That's the human condition. God is love. Love is love. You know, and the more we put love in our life, that's all I ever want to say. There's more love on the planet. Most Earthlings try very hard to be recognized for what they do, but when they become stars, sir, they realize they're recognized wherever they go. You have responsibilities, anxieties, and, well, to be honest, sir, some of them can't take it. Was instant stardom like that, and instant fame like that, disorienting? Fair. It's like being taken from the bottom of Death Valley to the top of the Empire State Building in two seconds. It's totally disoriented. To be from, you know, just performing in the comedy store, small clubs, and all of a sudden have everybody know you. And that happened. And that was instantaneous. And that, it's a little frightening, too. I mean, you know, people, if you're kind of shy, and sometimes I get kind of like this, that they, you know, people would, they just look at you. Cocaine, hmm, what a wonderful drug. Anything that makes you paranoid and impotent, give me more of that. <laughs> One of the great triumphs of your life was the way you beat drugs. But do you think that getting into them was the effect of success or just the atmosphere of the 70s it was late, both. I mean, success was one it was like it's like the old joke do you have a drug problem no everybody had it it wasn't it was a great way of kind of avoiding contact and then you get into this kind of you want to pull back from it rather than experience it because it's frightening and you're trying to find some way to pull away i think it was just it was escaping from people basically it's you know just you know from those people going hey when you're a celebrity, everybody wants a piece of you, sir. Unless you can say no, there'll be no pieces left for yourself. Sometimes it was the fear of failure. It was that thing of, you know, if you didn't notice, you wouldn't... Because it was coming so fast, it was that fear of when's it going to go? Rather than just keep, you know, finding and doing different things. Cocaine actually made me almost not sleepy, but it would just shut me down. I would get like this. And I think that's why I did it. So I wouldn't have to experience. So it was cutting off from people. As yeah, you said. it was isolating. It was, and then years later, after I stopped, when I see people, they're actually going, "You just made eye contact. How you doing?" Because <laughs> most of the time you didn't have to. It was a great chance not to look at people. It was, you know, this. I couldn't see anyone. It's because once again, it's the brain. The brain, once it tastes it, will want to go back up to the same level. Will demand that because it's psychologically addicting. They found that out. And how long? How long did it take you to feel that sense of? liberation that you mentioned Richard Pryor felt. It took you about a year. Someone said you, you're liberated when you don't talk about it. When you don't mention, uh, you don't have to say anything. When it uh, doesn't appear in your subconscious, when it's just gone. Something very freeing about having, having your mind back and in your control. The ideas that you find will get you the same kind of stimulus. And then what other things happen is you start to relate to people again. And as you come back into the world and relate to them, they're stimulating and realizing that can be quite wonderful. Conversations with friends, you know, playing, playing with your child. You know, all of these things can be just as stimulating and wonderfully so and nourishing. And then all of a sudden you start to come back. It's a, it's a you know, it's just a process of that, of, you know, building that in again. You treat a disease, you win, you lose. You treat a person, I guarantee you, you win no matter what the outcome. But providing a security for acknowledging who I am and saying, I love that. I love what you are. Don't be afraid. And it's like, oh, then that frees you up. You really do? Me? 
I used to talk about myself. I used to have this image that I was kind of like this, almost like a dwarf, because I've been called that in school. I was like this little short, short, furry, furry guy. And then I said, so I love that. Really? But that's, that's been the process, and it's so wonderful. And it's growing. And you learn and you go through it, and it's been tough. And the way that all of Oliver's work is, he makes you examine these supposedly negative and horrifying things from another perspective and say, yes, these are, you know, there is great pain in aspects to that. But he also said, look at the power of the human spirit, and more than just the spirit, the power of the mind, and distinguishing between the mind and the brain. Some people say that the brain is a computer, but he said, no, beyond that, there is something, there is deity within you. There is that, you know, that spark, that divine thing, and it stems from creation, that, that thing that is soul. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.